Whoa, I don't think I even want to hear your story. All of you must hear the Scarlet Spider story. My name is Ben Riley. I'm related to this reality's Peter Parker. How? I'm his clone. Or maybe he's my clone. We're not sure. I'm the real Spider-Man. I don't know what kind of mind game this is, but I'm the real Spider-Man. The real Peter Parker. You see? I thought I was that clone. I tried to stay out of Peter's life by taking on a new identity. Dyed my hair, changed my name to Ben Riley. When I became a costume hero of the Scarlet Spider, it really made him angry. The next big blow came from Dr. Kurt Connors. He discovered that, according to our genetic structures, it might be Peter who was the clone, not me. That news pushed Peter Parker over the edge. Now he hated me with a passion. This is starting to sound like a bad comic book plot. It gets worse. Why didn't you just tell me I was a clone? The cloning process has proven unstable. You're a apart. Welcome back, clone heads. After a long sabbatical, we have returned once again with another new episode. This episode will cover the greatest responsibility, a storyline that went from Amazing Spider-Man 406, Adjectiveless Spider-Man 66, and Spectacular <laughs> Spider-Man 229 here in episode 24. As always, I'm joined by my fellow dudes, all contributors to SpiderDude.com, Joshua Lappin slash Bertoni, Donovan Morgan Grant, and Jordan Dillatour. Hello, how everybody, how's everybody doing? <laughs> Hello, then. So, uh, we'll give you a quick rundown of the show. We're going to cover the news, um, some SpideyDude.com updates, emails, and Facebook posts. Since we last recorded, we've seen many changes to the new Scarlet Spider ongoing. Minimum Carnage has came and went as of this recording. We'll get Once we get caught up with the uh, with that title, we'll, we'll review it front to back. It's a crossover with Venom uh, and the Scarlet Spider title, as well as an Alpha and Omega issue. Because we've never seen that before. Finally, the entire Clone Saga has now been collected. Between the two, there's two sections of it. You have the Clone Saga epic books and the Ben Riley epic books. Between the two, there's it totals eleven trades. If you include the original Clone Saga, it's a whopping twelve. In our look back series, outside of the miniseries, we'll cover the entire. We'll hopefully cover the entirety of the epic books. Uh, there are certain issues that we'll obviously gloss over, such as the team-up issues, which were mostly forgettable. Uh, starting with episode, I'm going to say episode 26, because we're ex- expecting to record a catching up between 6 through 9 next month. We'll try to begin where the uh, Ben Riley epic books pick up, because this episode covers the final story covered in the Clone Saga books, which will be Web of Amazing spectacular and adjectiveless Scarlet Spider number ones, along with Scarlet Spider Unlimited number one, which is Bertone's all-time favorite issue. Oh, oh yeah. We still I'm, dub- I'm doubling over in pain right now. We're going to at least cover Virtual Mortality, which is the first month of stories. There's another month called Cyber War which we'll probably cover in another episode. And as for <laughs> updates to the website, we'll have Mayday Mondays, a review series spoke, focusing on the Spider-Girl title, which has a ton of Clone Saga influence. <laughs> Finally, Joe Karneski, that's exactly how he told me to say his name, because I think we read his, an email of his a couple of months ago. He wrote in again, so here's his email. He says, hey, I just listened to you read one of my emails off the show. I'm cool. 
too bad that Spider King or whatever the hell he was called from Spider Spider Island hashtag storyline turned out to be Captain America instead of Ben. I know you guys don't seem fond of slot, but he's been in. But uh, Joe has been enjoying his solo run on Spider Man a lot. To him, Spider Man has been fun again for the first time since well the Clone Saga. He personally thought that Spider Island was a hoot, a hell of a lot more fun than Fear itself, which was the Marvel 2010 event. And I love the new Scarlet Spider series. Kind of on edge about this new Superior Spider-Man coming as a part of Marvel now. Anyway, I'm looking forward to hear you guys cover the Scarlet Spider books from back in the day. Wow, were those bad. Chuck Austin on Avengers level bad. Well, thanks, Joe. Uh, yeah, we are, you know, we, we kind of... It's one of the good things and bad things about this show. We we cover the high points and the low points, and, and as I've said before, the jumping into the pit of doom moment really is the Scarlet Spider months. Um, we'll cover that pretty extensively, um, and we'll pretty much tear it to pieces. <laughs> I, so, I, so unlike the current uh, regime of Spider-Man comics. Oh, I don't know. Have you read those books? I was being sarcastic, but yeah. Oh, okay. I was fixing to say, because they're pretty shitty. <laughs> they absolutely can be. With that out of the way and everything going on, go to the review of The Greatest Responsibility. Greatest Responsibility was the final storyline that featured the Scarlet Spider in, in Amazing and Spectacular Spider-Man and the adjectiveless title. It, it ran three issues from Amazing Spider-Man 405 Crossroads by DiMatteis, Angel Medea, it was 406. Is that 406? I put 405. Yes. Uh, Mallerstite and Emberlein. Uh, adjectiveless Spider-Man number 63. Sure. Double-check that. Cause I... Really? Okay. Yes, it's 63. I'm making sure. The Kick Inside by Howard Mackey, Gil Kane, and Tom Palmer. And then in a storyline with Spectacular Spider-Man 229 by Tom DeFalco, Salby Sima, Bill Sienkiewicz, titled... No more the hero. Bertoni, I believe you have the first issue, so take it away. Yes, and if you and if you believe you can accomplish anything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well the cover to four oh six, it has a Lady Doctor Octopus, Carolyn Trainer with her tentacles around uh Scarlet Spider. I don't have the cover in front of me, but I remember it. She says um, something like, hello, Spider, I've got a crush on you, or I've got a crush on you, some variation of that. Hey, Spider, I've got a crush on you. And and I remember this cover so well that I know that in the top right-hand corner, there's, like, a, an advertisement for overpower cards. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Introducing the new Dr. Octopus. Yes. So how dated is this story? Well, it starts with Ben Riley inside the Internet fighting robots. But don't worry, it all makes sense. Apparently someone sold, stole SeaWord's internet, so we sent Ben inside the internet to find them. But whoever the thief was sent some viruses after Ben, and viruses are like giant like Spider Slayer-esque robots. Something goes horribly wrong, and SeaWord must pull Ben out of the internet before he gets trapped in cyberspace forever. The internet, ex- the internet explodes, but Ben uses his agility to get SeaWord away safely in time. Remember that TV show Reboot? Yes. Remember the yes. TV show VR Troopers? Yes. Virtual <laughs> reality. Meanwhile, Spider-Man is not on the internet. He's on a rooftop giving the readers exposition about what happened in the Clone Saga so far. 
He's currently worried about any other time bombs Professor Warren may have planted in him via retcon, when all of a sudden Mary Jane, I don't know how she got there, but appears on the roof behind him. She tells him that it's time to go home so that they can deal with their problems together, so they swing off into the distance. It's a nice little moment. We finally get our first look at the female Dr. Octopus as she sings Itsy Bitsy Spider, much to the confusion of her henchmen. Apparently it's a tune that her daddy used to sing there. Who's her daddy? daddy? We'll find out soon, won't we? You already spoiled her, dumbass. <laughs> what? <laughs> you said her name! Yeah, but they, that could be... Any, so people have the same last name. Yeah, it's not Smith, okay? Let's go on. Carolyn okay. Octavius. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Carolyn, <laughs> Carolyn Cooper. Oh, no. Turns out she's behind all these internet shenanigans, and she's trying to steal technology from Trander Design to project things from the internet into the real world, because that happens. Ben and Seward contemplate the meaning of the digital octopus left on their screen after this internet battle when Peter and Mary Jane show up. Peter wants Trainer to run some tests on him to make sure that there's no more retcon- um, time bombs inside of him. <laughs> <laughs> Across town, Lady Octopus's men test out their virtual reality bomb, which is what they call it. Crowds of people in New York streets see a scene from Jurassic Park and a mass panic results. The henchmen in the henchmen inform Lady Octopus that they can now begin work on the real internet bomb. We then get a nice romantic moment between Peter and Mary Jane. They're having a candlelight dinner on a rooftop and toasting the no more retcon time bombs. If you're a modern Spider-Man reader, then this scene just twists the knife more and more. They toast <laughs> their love, they dance, and they share a milestone. Um, as they're dancing close together, they both feel the baby kick for the first time, and it brings tears to their eyes. Really beautiful moment. The art does it well. Then Lady Octopus makes her move and attacks Seward, demanding that he surrender the internet to her. Scarlet Spider tries to sneak up on her, but like Max Modell, she has a personal force field. She reveals that not only was the original Dr. Octopus her mentor, but that Trainer is her father. Dun dun dun! So we'll go around the bend. Gerard, you were up first. Good sir. Well, as Josh explained, the plot of this issue can best be summed up with the word science, because that's what's going on, and honestly, I can't follow half of what's happening in this story. But I'll try. Um, as far as the good stuff in this one, I actually liked all those uh, cheese Peter Mary Jane scenes. They were corny, but they were effective. Cheese is the term. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's getting bleeped out probably anyway. So, but ex- well, except for that one bit with where the baby kicks, which would be nice, except that Josh ruined that years ago with his uh. It's got gas. It's gas. Uh. I like that they followed up on the time bomb plot. Not because it needed to be followed up on, but at least they're almost sort of acknowledging in story how stupid it was. I don't know about you if you guys picked this up reading it, but it almost seemed like they were just deliberately making fun of that story. (laughs) By like, oh, no more time bombs, please. Um, Um, Kind of. That's what you're saying. Eh, maybe. I can see that because, like, Warren, I, I think from the Glenn Greenberg stuff, they said that they were only spinning their wheels. Well, like, <laughs> time bomb, and, like, the, how they were basically buying time from maximum clonage till the start of, you know, Sensational Spider-Man. And it shows. Believe me, it shows. Look, look who wrote this issue, too. Uh, it was Demonteus. So, I mean, clearly he's probably going, that's the stupidest story ever. Here, let's let's let, let's have DeFalco and the rookie write it. <laughs> it's a stupid the story ever, says the co-writer of Maximum Carnage. 
This is true. <laughs> this is true. I'm kind of I have mixed feelings about the art in this issue. I think uh, Angel Medina has a lot, like really good grasp of like layouts and composition and stuff, but I just really don't care for for his style of illustration. You know, like there's just way too much cross hatching on every page. Yep, that's something that just bugs me in general. When when artists will just look detail and then they'll just draw a bunch of diagonal lines everywhere mm-hmm. it doesn't help anything it just makes it cluttered and ugly looking and i feel like that that happened in this story he, he just went too far in places which is too bad because again he has a good grasp of like angles and 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 composition and stuff look at those the the scenes where uh lady ock first appears in the story really really nice compositions but man just so much hatching um they're so they're, as far as the things that are really bad Oh man, there's so much techno babble in this story. And okay, I don't know how else to put this. I'm a big Star Trek fan, and I grew up watching the Next Generation and Deep Space Nine and stuff. So of course I'm used to techno babble. But even I was like, "That's a lot of techno babble." <laughs> and I have a pretty—I think I have a pretty high tolerance for that stuff. The other big con, of course, is Lady Ock. I mean, can we officially declare that she's one of the crappier Spider-Man villains? Oh, yeah, I like her. No, I think she was better... Honestly, she was better as a Spider-Girl villainess than she was in, in the Clone Saga. I'll ask. Well, well, why, yes, Zach. What a, what a nice transition, because that's exactly what it says in my notes here. I, I think she sucks in, in, like, this era, but she will become redeemed by the time we get around to Spider-Girl. She starts showing up when, in, like, the 70s-ish? I believe it was August. 71 was her first, and she's... Or with freaking Mayday. Well, yeah. It, interesting that she's still... Well, no, this isn't the conversation for this podcast, anyway. I'll just leave it at that. Um, interesting that she's still what? Just say it. Well, I was going to say, is that because the Spider-Girl take place in the universe where Ock was resurrected, I can't even remember. Yes. Okay, well, the, but then why would she still be Doc <laughs> Octopus? Like, uh, well, by that, point, by that point, I think Ock was dead. I think it was, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. I remember <laughs> he was brought back after after Revelations, right? Yeah, he was brought back after Revelations, but I think Doc Ock actually died or retired. I, I seem to remember them saying that he retired in death. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I I think he was brought back to life, and then he I, I think he kind of faded off in the sunset because he did not make any. He was one of the few Spider-Man villains that didn't major Spider-Man villains that didn't make an appearance in Spider-Girl. That's oh, you're, talk- that. you're talking about in Spider-Girl continuity, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Like I said, this is kind of off-topic, but... but you no, know, it's fine. It's relevant to what we're talking about. So I was about to say, like, in, in real continuity, he showed up a lot, especially in the reboots. He was, like, part of that whole Captain Power thing. <laughs> Howard, Howard Mackey. Remember that Wizard uh, special before the reboot happened? Where, the, where Howard Mackey's like, you absolutely will not see any classic villains in the first year. And, like, five issues in, you have Sandman and... Well, a, a Howard Mackey here is like two months. <laughs> Howard, Ma- Howard Mackey's not good with continuity anyway, so he can't even figure out his own continuity in interviews. <laughs> no classic Spider-Man villains, and what? I think the entire Sinister Six show up within the first year. Yeah. It was like number twelve. It was issue twelve. The original Ditko. <laughs> yeah. So what? The f- anyway, uh, the thing I find lamest about La- Lady Ock or whatever call her is that. An- another super villain with daddy issues. <sighs> what is it with the, especially in the '90s when they were just literally just retconning all of the super villains to have like abusive parents or alcoholic parents or whatever? 
we have another one that gets thrown in there that's like, I hate my daddy. The only difference is that her dad's actually around, which makes it even more in your face. Than... Look who it is, though. Look who's writing this issue. Who is the <laughs> king of daddy issues in Spider-Man comics? <sighs> you got you got him there, yeah. Jammed him with <laughs> I mean, come on. So, oh yeah, and, and one other minor thing before uh, before I, I pass it along to the next person that the assistant that she has when she shows up in the story oh, head doesn't that dude look like the Impossible Man but white? <laughs> I was gonna make a comment about this. Yes, I was like, why is the Impossible Man? Is he in disguise? Is this all like, is this all like a practical joke? Because that dude is like all about practical jokes. Maybe this entire story is a practical joke executed by the Impossible Man. Well, okay. He has like a little ginger goatee or a soul patch. Yeah, no, no. It gets even. It gets even worse. Look at the shape of his head on the on the page after she 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 walks in, and then. The following page, you look right. If you're looking at it via the trade, it's the ne- very next page. Look at the shape of his head. The shape of his head changes. It goes from what? being like a pointed cone head looking crap to like actual no, rounded, somewhat looking normal. <laughs> he turns into Egghead from the 60s Batman. Yes! <laughs> Vincent Price? Mm-hmm. Excellent! <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, the, the story wasn't the worst one from this month, even. So uh, I would—it's a little below average. I'd say about a C minus. Okay, C minus for Gerard Donovan. What's your two cents? Eh. Um, the covers—I think the cover is the best thing about this issue. Honestly, I like Carolyn Trainer, Doctor Octopus. I mentioned this on a recent uh, crawl space that, like, when I was getting to Spider-Man during the Clone Saga, like she was. She was, like, like one of the villains they were hyping in, in, like, you know, the overpower game cards and stuff like that. So, like, I was kind of excited. And I kind of like her based on that, like, nostalgia. Just, and I think the idea of a female Dr. Octopus is actually kind of cool. If you're going on the idea that Dr. Octopus was dead at the time, like, the, like the future of the Spider-Man villains was a female version. I think that's actually an, an inventive idea. I'm not saying the character in herself is worth a lot, but I'm not adverse to the idea of her. So, I, I don't really have a strong negative opinion. Um... This kind of like there's a lot of '90s charm in these books, but this one doesn't really have any of it. <laughs> because for one thing, the coloring is just pastel and pathetic. Like I, I, it starts off in virtual reality in the system. So so Ben Riley's floating around, you know, saying, "If I don't leave, I'll be trapped in here forever." Because comics and like it it just I I kind of expect whenever I open this book that like the coloring will get better, but it really does. It kind of stays this light. Pathetic. Maybe it's just the copy that I have, but the art's not very good. Um, I think the inking is too, like Gerard said, there's way too much cross hatching, which could be a, a victim of the layouts. But like also, it's just it's bad inking and coloring more so than actual pencils. The pencil is not great, but like the inking and coloring really let this down. Hey Don, uh, I have a question for you though. Shoot. If if the book didn't have as so much like detail cross hatching and stuff, do you think the coloring would be a better match for it? No, because it still it still looks too like I don't want to say bright because like that 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 in some ways that has a, it has a tint to it, but mm-hmm. it still looks too light. Like like during the nighttime scenes, like Peter, Mary Jane, like Mary Jane has a, has a baby blue shirt on, and I feel that like during the nighttime scenes we should ref- have it reflect more of nighttime. But like the figures are glowing in the middle of the night. You know, there's a little aura around them, and that doesn't that doesn't really work on a visual level for this kind of medium. I don't think. Yeah, um, you got a point there. Although I mean, I mean, they're 
you know, obviously they're intentionally colored with colors like that to make them stand out from the background. But well, yeah, okay, is it? It, it is too bright though. Uh, let me let me ask you guys a question. Does does the original copies? Because I think you guys have the original issues in front of you. Because I seem to remember that the original issues of these that it almost seemed like they were almost kind of very it had like a matted like finish kind of like fuzzy the colors and everything were like the pages all of them and because i've got like the trade in front of me and it seems like the colors pop a little bit more and, and i understand what you guys are saying but the colors to to me because i have the original issue buried somewhere it the colors do look better in the trade than they do i think in the the first issue I don't have the original in front of me, but I think this is one of the newsprint series. This one is still being published on newsprint. Okay, yeah. This looks too busy to me, though. Like, the colors, like, Spider-Man's costume, it looks like he's trying to shine, while at the same time kind of reflect darkness. And, like, I see what they're trying to do. I just I just think that, like, it's a failed experiment. And I'm not, I'm not saying, like, it, you know, it's not offensive to me. It's just, it's just not, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and, like, the art, I really do think is, like, the worst part of this. Um but the story is not much either. It's it's very very basic, blase science for the sake of story thing. I mean, I I love mad science, but only to a point when you're just kind of just throwing science out to the point where like nothing is relatable, you know? Where they're mm-hmm. just mad scientists who can obviously do anything that you want to at the drop of a hat, and they're automatically henchmen for the douchiest characters in the comic book. And you know, we need to run tests on Peter, so we'll have this conveniently you know placed uh, technology. Like th- it takes me out of the story. I, it just it just becomes so, the techno babble is so clinical, so removed that like I don't really re- I don't really get into it, and um, I mean DiMatteis always writes emotional stories. Those are his strengths. So the scenes with Peter and Mary Jane are like the strongest, but they're not the best. I mean that he's done. I mean they're they're, they're nice for what they are, but I think that like because of the because of the art being ineffectual as it is, it's still kind of like it's a, a little it's almost a little kind of trite in that like. It's trying to have us uh, grab onto these emotions while at the same time having these wacky cyber adventures in, the, in you know, cyberspace. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of coming down harder on this book than I really feel. It's it's just it's it's not a, it's, it's a kind of a bad comic, but it's not like the worst comic. It just, it just nothing really worked. Nothing really clicked for me in this one. Okay, so what was your grade? I'll give it a. <laughs> I, I, really, I really don't hate this issue, but I'll give it a D just based on what what didn't work on this. Okay, Bertoni, your thoughts? It's a. Uh, I like the art somewhat, but the faces are all way too wacky. Especially like if you look at the faces during the street Jurassic Park scene. That just. <laughs> You guys are still in my notes. I think you're reading my notes beforehand. Well, it's not even well, notes. They say it in the story, right? Like you're looking at the comic book and stealing from the comic book. Yeah, but I, I like that. Uh, the internet stuff is crazy, but obviously, you know that goes with. You can't write about the internet, and you know, in the year in like the mid '90s, without it like looking horribly dated in 2012. So ago. that's more amusing than anything else. I mean, this was. It's hard to judge the story on its own because it's very much like a part of the continuing narrative. But the Peter and Mary Jane stuff was nice. I do. I mentioned this before. How did she get on that roof? Because she says, "Let's go home," and they swing away. So that's not that's not their home. So how she, did she? Went, well, Gerard Gerard mentioned um, he mentioned Star Star Trek earlier. So she clearly went on like, you know, the uh, the I don't know what is it, the Enterprise said energize, and she teleported right over there. I don't remember how, how, it, how it ended. Yeah, I don't remember how it ended up, but I know that this was like a debate last time we did the show. 
Like, people told me, no, you're wrong. She obviously got there this way or something. No, I, I think she probably... The most logical explanation was taking, like, the fire escape. But how did she know to find him? Where to find him? Well, she probably saw him looking... At, she probably was just driving around town. It may be one of the usual spots he goes to to brood. <laughs> okay, that's, He's that's, on this gargoyle. That's... <laughs> That's the, I'm calling shenanigans, but that's the closest to an to an actual like suitable explanation. So you're well. I'll have yeah, I'll have it. Bertoni, you're looking at the issue, right? Um, no, I'm not. Okay, I was gonna say there's 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 a woman that looks like Betty in the uh, virtual reality. Oh yeah, I noticed that this morning when I was rereading it. Like yeah, she looks exactly like Betty, and it, it could be because Betty did like nothing during the Clone Saga except for a date. Ben Riley and forget about him after he died. Yeah, and don't even cry. Doesn't even cry at his funeral. <laughs> no, he's already worried about dating Flash Thompson the month later. But I digress because that's another. Because uh... <laughs> that's your wheelhouse. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that in a while. But I mean, uh, the Peter and Mary Jane scenes were especially the. Um, I think that the first kick scene was handled like very very well, even though like the faces were drawn weird. So I guess I'll give it a B, a B plus, B minus, uh, B plus, B plus. Yeah. Okay. Um, really? Okay, so uh, my thoughts on this uh, are that this issue, it kind of helps to have, it's a nice, kind of nice change of pace to have a different artist other than Bagley, uh, but Bagley's cover was obviously the very best thing about this issue. Um, we, we talked about the, the egghead-looking um, scientist. Bertoni's <laughs> um, right, the faces are kind of hyper-exaggerated. No, uh, The best representation of this hyper-exaggeration of the faces is, look at the guy running away on the uh, with the Jurassic Park scene. Like, look at that guy's face. This is... I almost want to take... take the one a, that's on the lower left hand side. Yes, 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 yes. You know exactly. The one that looks like a raptor himself? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is classic 90s image era hyper-exaggeration. Yeah, it's biting Todd McFarlane bad. Hey, you know something I just noticed? The 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 way that his mouth is shadowed with his tongue inside of it, his tongue is one of those cartoon heart shapes. <laughs> it's even better. So, I mean, otherwise, the, the there's a lot of, I mean, like the, the dinosaur kind of looks pretty good to me. I, you know, that's just my personal opinion. The best scene, though, was, was the scene on the rooftop. Um, just very well written. Um... In a very very good way to for for that was the best scene of, of the whole story for me. Um, but honestly, I mean, this was kind of just a mediocre issue. I, I, I there wasn't any high points or low points. Um, but uh, the only thing I don't like about his about uh, Medea's, uh, I just don't like the way he drew Scarlet Spider. The mask kind of looks off to me, especially. But uh, that, that's kind of just a minor quibble. But uh, like I say, the, the the scene on the rooftop, the scenes with Mary Jane, the science scene is kind of unintentionally hilarious, though. I mean, and, and the opening scene is unintentionally hilarious because it's just, just so um, dated, so very dated. Um, and, you know, <laughs> look, this is, this is the era of Virtual Boy. Does anybody remember the Virtual Boy uh, little gaming thing that they had that Nintendo came out with? It was oh, a yeah, yeah. And that, it, it it took off really well and was wildly successful. And uh, <laughs> just like the Dreamcast. <laughs> yeah, 
uh, it was a abysmal failure for those of you that don't know. Uh, but I actually got to play with one. My cousin got one one year, and it was like it looked okay. It, you know the scenes out of Terminator, like like when the when when it's the what's the guy? Oh, the Terminator Vision. Yes, the Terminator Terminator Vision. That's kind of how it looked like with the Virtual Boy. I don't know. If, did you guys play that thing at all? I saw yeah, I saw it at a, at a blockbuster and like you know played some demos of. I forgot what the Mario game was called, but like, it was it was, it was, it was horrible. That's why. <laughs> Once they realized that I hated it, they immediately just stopped continuing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was a like I say, it was a visible failure. But th- that's kind of a snapshot to this story because I think it came out right around this time the story came out. So the 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 we we've, we've kind of joked about Trainer's Lab pretty endlessly, especially like during the uh, during Maximum Clonage and <laughs> and but. I don't know the the whole like the goggles that he wears and 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 then the chair are kind of funny. Um, it's just like 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 when when Josh was saying I don't mean to interrupt when Josh was saying you know we need we need to look out for more retcons and like that that underscores how silly the whole thing is because Peter's literally like like in brown jeans in a Spider Man shirt with like these googly goggles on his face and they're taking this seriously. Yeah. <laughs> It's like shut up! It's like come on now. Yeah, yeah. Look at why, that. Why does he have his his regular shirt off in this? Scene? <laughs> they don't have anything connected to his chest or anything. <laughs> no, it's just saying, oh, this is Peter Parker in the chair. Not really. <laughs> the, 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 the cloth of his shirt interferes with the um, cyberspace stuff. <laughs> Everyone it knows sure that does. shirts in cyberspace are like you know kryptonite and lead. Oh, okay, like like. Uh... And then the other thing I was going to comment, my last little quibble about the artwork, if you look on that scene where he's in the chair with his shirt off randomly, look at Ben's hair. Okay, the page before, it's in the mullet. You know, yeah. Peter's, he's got the, Peter, Ben's got the mullet, and, 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 uh, and Peter's got his short cropped hair. And then suddenly Ben has the freaking short cropped hair and no mullet. Uh, I just found that kind of, kind of puzzling. Um, but this overall, this gets a C from me. So Bertone gave it the highest grade of the month. I don't know why. <laughs> so that leads us to uh, Grace Responsibility Part Two of Three, Adjectiveless Spider-Man Number Sixty Three. Squeeze play is what it says on the cover. It's got Lady Octopus with uh, with, with Scarlet Spider and Spider-Man in, in, in her tentacles. And it opens up with uh, Peter Parker and Mary Jane. Mary Jane's in bed. Peter can't sleep. He just, he just can't believe it's happening, but he's got to do it. He's just can't, he just can't help himself. And he places his, his uh, hand on her, on her belly. And so Mary Jane... Very inappropriate. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Come on, dude. She's sleeping. You can't just molest your wife. She's not paying attention. <laughs> exactly. Uh he so he places her, his hand on her belly and she wakes her up and so she tells him, "Go do some web slinging. Please come back in one piece." Uh, so Peter Parker yells an enthusiastic, "Yes, life is good. I'm a clone. So what? I'm a clone who's going to be a dad." Funny. With all that's happened, I feel like my life's heading in the right direction. I wonder if Ben can say the same. I hope so. <laughs> I can't believe this is happening," said Ben. That's Ben. It's and you've got uh, Lady Octopus with the uh, Seaward Trainer in his battle armor. 
No one's commented on that, by the way. To me, my X-Men. <laughs> it's like an X-Men costume. It looks like... Uh, hey, that makes sense, actually, because he does build machines, right? Right. Well, sci- scientists need to wear uniforms. Everyone knows that scientists are, like, action <laughs> And when you got to jump inside the Internet, it's good to have, you know, a battle suit. So, uh, Lady Octopus, you know, throws, uh, asks Ben Riley if he's been like a father to you. Yes, that's right. That's nice, sweet even, like a father to you. Too bad you were never no father to me, Daddy. You know, just kind of melodramatic dialogue, classic Howard Mackey. Uh, ben, you know, tries to tries to uh, go at Carolyn, and, and of course she's got the Max Modell patented force field. And um, so there's some talking heads going on for a couple pages, and a, a fight and everything. Seaward then is joined by Ben jumping out the window, uh, taking off trying to get out of out of Trainer's lab. Uh, Mary Jane is woken up. Uh, seems like she's having a nightmare, but who knows? She looks over. He's not there. and She's like, oh, yeah, I hope he's having fun. So it's like a random Mary Jane scene interspliced with Peter Parker going and, and uh, taking care of business on the, on the mean streets <laughs> of New York City. What's that? My husband disappeared in the middle of the night without telling anybody? Eh. It's no big deal. Yeah. And I am also in this comic. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Peter continues to is following where the sirens are going. Uh, ben and Seaward are having or ben, ben and Seaward are talking on my water tower uh, with the basically asking what her, what her problem is, what Carolyn's problem is with Seaward. Zach, you've met, you, for, you failed to mention the best part of all of these Ben and Seaward scenes, which is that he's just carrying him by the, by the collar of his shirt, like just hanging him over the, precariously over the streets. That's true. Look how terrified he looks in these scenes. <laughs> You're right. He's hanging on by a, by a thread, literally. So they get onto the, to the rooftop. Carolyn joined, you know, pounces on them. was like, hello there, in classic 90s cheesy style. Ben and Carolyn fight. Um, Peter then joins the fray, catching her off guard, but somehow hitting her, even though she has her force field. Doesn't make any sense. I guess it's activated when she with thoughts or whatever. But uh, as Peter, you know, untangles Ben, she attacks and and Peter like almost falls off. Well, actually, does fall off the roof. She grabs him by the neck, is holding him by the neck, and then Electro because you know she's got. Uh, She's got like special tentacles, so he he, he starts. She starts electrifying <laughs> the tentacle, and we get this big scene of a big giant Mary Jane head. Because remember, she's in the issue too, and like with her crying, "I've got to live." So then, uh, Ben then sprays some impact webbing on her tentacles and starts crawling up the tentacle, going through the force, the hole in the force field, and then she's just you know freaking out at this point. She lets go of Peter. Ben saves Peter. And uh, basically, the issue ends with Peter may having to make having a decision to make. Okay, whether to leave this this crappy comic or not. To be concluded in Spectacular Spider-Man 229, a giant-sized epic that marks the end of an era and the beginning of a new one. And funny enough, the way they've done this this trade uh, in the epic book number five, it doesn't take you automatically to uh, 
Spectacular 229? No. It then inserts Spider-Man team-up featuring the X-Men. Number one. Uh, what? Yeah, no. <laughs> because um, literally on the first page it says, this story takes place prior to the events of Spectacular Spider-Man 229 and X-Force number 49. So that entire night when he's got this decision to make, what does he do? He goes and has an adventure with the X-Men. No, I, I think I know what's happening here. They're trying to, because obviously he's not Spider-Man after the next issue. Right. So they just mean it takes, but, but they didn't mean literally before that. They just meant, like, sometime before that. Like, yeah, like, like, and... and whoever, whoever put it in the trade just placed it wrong, because I think it's just supposed to happen any random time before that. Right. It will then, like, scroll... Well, e- even if, on the next issue, it's not like the next issue is implied to take place at the same night as this one. It could be, like, four or five days between the... Issues. Uh, anyway, it just was kind of one of those interesting anecdotes that I, anecdotal things that I wanted to put on there. But that is that is a weird placement, right? So we have that adventure, and then of course we go to two twenty nine. But um, Tony, what's your thoughts? I like Gil Kane's art. I don't like it here. Um, first of all, he draws like I love the way that Lady Octopus's face was drawn last issue, especially on the cover by Bagley. Like you get that she's menacing here. She looks like a, she looks like an Archie character. Like her face is always like so sweet. She doesn't look like a threatening character at all. And um, I have mixed feelings about the page where like the web is coming at her. She's like, "What's going on? What are we?" I mean, I don't. Part of me likes that panel, but another part of me thinks I don't know if it. I don't know if they pulled off how she's supposed to be acting or, like, why is she so freaked out over a web. I mean, it's a web, it's, it's a web after all she's been doing. The page with... Okay, what is supposed to be happening on the first page? Is this, like, a gotcha to the reader? Like, is the reader like, oh, no, there's another time bomb after all. I can't look. I can't be able to turn the page in. Oh, Howard Mackey, you tramp. He just wanted to touch his baby. <laughs> you really got us going. Like... That is a really weird bait and switch. This like he's looking over her so threateningly, like, "Oh yes, I just can't help myself." Like, ding! <laughs> Especially after like a month yeah. or two after Time Bomb. Like, calm down, Marvel. I don't like. Real. I don't like how Mary Jane's drawn in this issue. Especially like the panel where she wakes up. She's just like way too glamorous and voluptuous for like waking up in the middle of the night. She's almost she's more like Jessica Rabbit than Mary Jane. The part where she wakes up like, oh, I'm still in this issue, too. That one. The whole I got a decision to make, like, he faces danger all the time, all of a sudden, like, especially since Mary Jane's been pregnant for, like, issues upon issues now, probably months Marvel time, and now he's like, oh, my gosh, I got a decision to make after one battle. But, um, and I said this during our last recording, I think, um, on second read... You could kind of understand it more because this is after he uh, felt his baby kick for the first time. So I could see how that would like make him think, you know, and change perspective. It's not communicated ultra well in the book, but it's uh, an interesting way to look at it. Otherwise, it's I don't know the the Gilcane art. It feels it's not the Gilcane that I know. I don't know if he needs to be doing '90s books anymore. Well, I mean, well, don't worry, it's don't not worry, the Gil- he died shortly afterwards. I was going to say, this isn't the Gil Kane you know, because he was like 70 years old when he drew this. Well, that's no excuse. <laughs> he should have had the arm of a 20-year-old. Um, I'll give it a C. Okay. Uh, Donovan, what's your thoughts? 
Uh, same as before. Yeah, I mean, the art. Gil Kane is a very was always a, a very ambitious artist in his anatomy, and even back when he was fresh during like the seventies, um, when his stuff w wouldn't work, it wouldn't work in terms of faces and stuff. Like I remember, like like issues like ASM ninety nine, um, where, like like he. Peter's face, he he wasn't very good with faces, which is why I think he works best when he has a really good inker, like John Romita Sr. But he is a very good artist. Here, he, he his age has clearly taken taken a toll on his artwork to where the anatomy is just, just like... It's, I don't know what's because of the inking or whatever, but they look like disfigured toys. They, you can see where he's going, but like they don't... The the uh, the ligaments and the arms and the and the uh, the figures don't really match up. And the faces are just very blah very bland and a lot of them look the same and they're like they're kind of going for an emotion but they don't actually stretch out to reach the emotion um and it's just very cluttered artwork very very poor and the coloring sucks as well like coloring is like still as bad as it was last issue all those on, on, on a different level and this is basically just a fight issue i think as a fight issue is decent because i like spider-man and scarlet spider teaming up and fighting a, a villain so it's a little better i think because it's, it's less stupid science, um, but still, I, I don't, I'm not sure if it's very good. I, I think I actually like the next part the best. Uh, I don't think that like this issue has a lot of meat to it. I mean, I mean, to me, the Mary Jane stuff, you know, the Peter Mary Jane stuff, is kind of like at this point. I think we've kind of passed that, like the uh, at least for like the main bulk of the Clone Saga, like the really good parts of their relationship until later on when Ben Spider Man spoilers. Because I think that, like, they're kind of belaboring a point, like, you know, I love you, and I love you, too, and we're going to have a baby, and, like, I'm all for Mary Jane and Peter Parker loving each other, but, like, I really don't need to be reminded of it every single issue. That's well, the part that kind of does get to be, like, like too sweet to, for, for my teeth. Um, well, yeah, but I think we could chalk that up to being one of the consequences of them dragging everything out, right? I mean, we weren't supposed oh, yeah, to have this much I mean, of it. I agree, but like my feelings towards this issue are sort of a consequence of that consequence. So, I mean, it's just sort of like my reaction to it. Consequences um, will never be the same. <laughs> so, like, like they, I guess they knew what they were doing. I mean, I mean, I, I'll give this a C because it's it's a it's a decent fight issue, but the art. It's just flat out bad, and it's not because Gil Kane isn't a good artist. It's just because you know this is the end of his life, so it's he's he's gonna, he's going to be on his way out. Well, wait, what year was this anyway? This issue five. He lived another four or five years after this. Did it's he not really? like it's not like he was about to die at the drawing board. I literally <laughs> thought that was what to do. Um, yeah, you were, you were so confused that in, during your recap, you kept claiming that Lady Ox tentacles had electricity, even though that doesn't happen in the story. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> No, look at the page where, where he's, he's... Does that look like it has, like, electricity to not do it? Read the dialogue. He says, the tentacles are so tight, I can't breathe. Basically, she's just choking him out. Like, oh. th there's no electricity anywhere. All those, like, flashes or whatever her tentacles hit stuff. Whoops. <laughs> Whoops is right. Unless, unless I just had a brain aneurysm and I just, what, like, was, I'm pretty sure there's no electricity. What's Mayday Parker's alter ego? <laughs> you guys are funny. No, okay. Apparently, reading comprehension is is sucky. Um, Gerard, give your thoughts. Um, well, okay. I, I, I'm kind of in line with everybody else to an extent. I think I, this one isn't that bad because mostly because it's just like a fight issue. So those tend to be those tend those are difficult to make really terrible. 
Because generally speaking, as long as they deliver some action, it's all right. Um, the, the best stuff was that Peter and MJ scene at the beginning, I think. Although it's it's hard to look at it and not have feel like there's some sort of creepy subtext going on. But I'm guessing it was just a joke at the expense of Time Bomb, because... I don't know. If you look it's at a very it, very funny joke. It's implied rape. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, there is that, but like that's only if you read it that way, though. I don't know. It, it's hard. It's hard, it's hard to get a read on what they wanted, like what they were trying to do with that. Uh, I, I, yeah, I for real. Um, it was very poor. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, it was very creepy. <laughs> um. Well, like I said, the fight was relatively dynamic, I guess. I mean, it was interesting to look at. <laughs> Except that, the, I don't know, the, the art started out alright, but it seemed like it just got worse as it went. Well, then again, it, you know, like I said, Gil Kane was almost 70 when he drew this. I, I, I wonder why they got him in particular for this, given his age. I, I have to wonder. Um, it actually talks about that in Life of Riley. I was going to mention that. I would really like to know why, because, like, for God's Gil sake... Gil Kane, of course, was one of the classic Spider-Man artists, and the Spider-Man group editor, uh, Bob Yashansky, was a big fan of his. As such, Bob was pretty excited about having Gil on as guest artist. Tom Palmer, one of my all-time favorite inkers, and one of the nicest guys in the industry, had inked many of Gil's covers for Marvel back in, the, back in the early 70s, so this issue served as something of a reunion for these two greats. That's from Glenn Greenberg on Life of Riley. Well, that doesn't really explain why, other than the fact that that Bob Budiansky is a huge fan of his, but that's not really a reason to, to go. Like, you know, Zach, I mean, you're a big fan of Nolan Ryan, I assume. I don't think you're going to throw Nolan Ryan out there in, like, Game 5 of the World Series or something. Although, <laughs> although it, may have, it may have helped in Game 6 of, the, of last year's World Series, but let's not... Well, it, yeah, but the point is that, like, yeah, he's a big fan of Gil Kane, but Gil Kane's heyday was in the 70s. And, hey, and hey, so, hey, Gil, like, Gil, if you do this issue, I hope you move, all right? Just, just the way. Oh no! Like, well, think about it at this point because there really wasn't a consistent artist on um, on Spider on Adjective with Spider Man because by that point, um, Tom Lyle had left. Tom Lyle left, and Romita Junior wouldn't show up for another two, two months. Wait, no, I, I think uh, yeah, he start, he does sixty four, right? So, yeah, well, he did he did. Um, Gil Kane does one more issue, and then uh, Romita Junior jumps on. Oh, right, 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 because he did uh, Scarlet Spider number two, right? Yep. And then he does Spider-Man 64. Yes. That's right, that's right. I'm actually starting to remember the covers in my head now. Um, although, all I got to say, and I know, Don, I don't know if you were thinking this, because I know you're a big deal can even He drew this issue, but there's a, there's a distressing lack of up-the-nose face shots in this story. Oh yeah, no, no. <laughs> well, Come on, well you know, observed. What you there, there's no like you know people saying like you know you must believe me. <laughs> All right, challenge challenge accepted. Let me let me see if I can find at least one. It's <laughs> not a very strong challenge. I don't okay. I don't know I don't know man. The faces were all over the place in this one. Like like Don said, there there are panels where uh, Doctor Octopus sort of look like Sloth from the Goonies. Where like one eye is like lower than the other one, and then like she's got like a really—I don't know—I don't know about this one. I, I 
I, I just have to wonder why they chose would choose him at this stage. And was he even still working in comics? Did they just call him at his house like out of retirement? Yeah, I imagine he would because this isn't. I mean, let's let's face it. This isn't very good work. Like, um, what work would he be getting at this? I mean, this to me seems like like they had I don't know had something on him to like, call him up and say please do yeah. this one issue. And Page ten, and by the way. And a speedy uh, case. I don't. I don't know, man. It's just. I have serious questions as to as to how they got him to do this, why they got him to do this. That just it just seems wrong headed from the beginning. Um, as far as like the story goes, two two really big negative points for me. One is obviously Spider Man just getting getting owned just for the sake of setting up Ben taking over as Spider Man. It just it just seems contrived at this point, where we've just had several months now probably of Spider Man just looking like a chump so that. So that you know, readers will warm up to Ben. It feels a little forced. And uh, I think that was a subconscious thing because at this point they were really believing that Ben was the original. Peter well, it's not subconscious; it's very conscious. They're doing it intentionally. True. So, so that when when Ben takes over, it's like you know, here comes the conquering hero, and you, know, you pull out the horns and stuff. You know. <laughs> well, who did that? That was totally <laughs> excellent. Um. And the other thing in the climax here, that is not how impact webbing works. Who, who made that mistake? That'd be Howard Mackey. Come on uh, now. But, if, I mean, did they script this Marvel style and Gil Kane didn't know what impact webbing was? Did Howard Mackey write it that way? Well, There's something really strange going on there. Did Howard like, Mackey create impact webbing or was that Terry Cavanaugh? I think that was Cavanaugh. It was in that Venom. Well, with all the story stuff. Yeah, with all web, the, right? That with, all, with all the story summits that they did back then, it could have been could have been anyone. Right, but but the, but the point is, he's been using impact webbing throughout the Clone Saga at this point. There's no reason for him to make such a goofy mistake like that, especially at the climax of the friggin' story. I mean, that's how they that's how they essentially wrap up plot, right? Because yeah, yeah, that's exactly how it does. Because it like distracts her long enough to to release her grip on Peter. <laughs> well, well, while she has that scared little girl look on her face that that Josh was describing, and she even has her pinky sticking out to make it look all classy and stuff. <laughs> I don't know. So, uh, what's your grid? Uh, all all that said, and I didn't have much nice to say about this. It wasn't that bad. I think it's a. I don't know. I I was entertained enough by it. I would say it's like a B minus, maybe. I don't know. Wow, that's a pretty high grade considering. <laughs> what a decisive grade. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll go with that. Okay, B minus. Josh, you gave it a. <laughs> Josh gave it a C. Okay, I thought he gave it a C, and and same thing for Donovan. I'm gonna give this a D. I didn't like it at all. You gave it a what? A D. Not at all. <laughs> I'm sitting here laughing, of course, because I, as always, I have my little spreadsheet open. Yeah. And since we covered this already, there are already grades in there from the last time we did it. And yeah. every, is that is same grade? No, every single one of you is giving every issue a worse grade this time around. <laughs> I'm consistent because I'm working off the same notes, but like. Nice. Like you guys are just like, oh, I hate it. I, I think there was, oh man, I think Josh gave this one like a like a B plus the first time. I'm like, wow, I'm like wow. I don't know. What, I gave it a C originally. Yeah, you gave it a. Yeah, you gave it a C the first time. No, you gave it a C plus the first time. I don't know. It's just it's just something I find funny. It's like. Yeah. <laughs> Time has not been kind to this as far as we're concerned. Well, I just the more I look at this book, the more I'm kinda like, eh. You know you know in the nineties when 
when pre CGI, how that whenever they would have a scene where somebody had a like half of an arm or something, how they always have to stick the full arm inside and then have the fake arm hanging off of it. Yeah, that's totally what that looks like. We're yeah, like, I mean, I mean, we have to have the fake arm over there, so his real arm is kind of bulky under there. Yeah, it's, it looks terrible. <sighs> yeah. The, the, the way the... Yeah. Everything's falling onto, onto each other. They're not, like, set in place. Yeah, it's very fluid. Oh my god, that makes sense. This is Spider-Side, it's not really Peter. Nice. And then look at his arm, like, when he's in the next page. It just The composition of, of the... I guess now that I've had time to really kind of look at this more, it just the artwork is very, very mediocre. Is very mediocre to me. Um, the story as itself, it's mainly a battle issue. It's not really that blatantly offensive. Okay, so the force field is like Max Modell's force field, and it's convenient for the plot. Apparently, she has a force field in one issue. Earlier in the issue, she has the force field, and now suddenly, you know, when she's not consciously thinking about her force field, Peter's able to hit her? It, no, it's because it's following her tentacles. Well, no, 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 earlier, Peter kicks her. He kicks her. In the issue. Well, in cyberspace, he was wearing that shirt that, like, blocks <laughs> cyberspace, and cyberspace, you know, uh, powers her force field. I, I don't know, but it just, to me, it's, it's very, um, I don't know. It's it, the artwork is not very good to me, and it it really to all of us. Yeah, let's say, dude, you're not alone here. I know, but I think that's probably what brings this issue down the most. And and the story is just okay. It's just okay. Like like, why does Ben feel the need to go catch Peter Parker? Because Peter Parker, as is typical of of stories where they want to make him look like an idiot, forgot how his powers work. Right. This doesn't make any sense. And then, so, I mean... So they can argue over whose fault it was? Right. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Then it's all my fault. No, Peter, it's all my fault. No, it's all my fault. (laughs) All of a sudden, like, they start fighting. It's all my fault. No, it's all my fault. And, like, New York is destroyed in the ensuing battle. (laughs) (laughs) Take this drink, Roger. I don't want to take that drink. Take the drink. I don't wanna. You do wanna. I don't wanna. You do is that wanna. The second Roger Rabbit reference you've made on this podcast. Yes, it is. <laughs> I'm the one that said Jessica Rabbit. Oh. oh yeah, you're right. You're right. That first one wasn't me. Oh okay. Well, second reference has been made by one of you guys on this show. Okay. There should be a there should be a Who Framed Roger Rabbit reference in every episode of every podcast. <laughs> We should, we, we should try making an even five tonight, but they can't be contrived. It has to, like, go along with whatever tangent we're on. Okay. So <laughs> we, 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 have, we have one issue to go and three Roger Rabbit references to work in. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, that leads us to our final chapter of, uh, of this particular story. Um, Spectacular 229, I believe Bertoni – or no, excuse me, I'm sorry. Mr. Gerard has the, has the uh, rundown of this Unfortunately, yes. And I say unfortunately because this is a extra-sized issue for some reason. Oh, because it's the last... Technically, it's Spider-Man in it, right? Or Spider-Man's Peter, I guess. Yes, until, until Revelations. This is the sp- last Spider-Man's Girl and Spider um, where they're both inside the same book. Yeah, yeah. So they treat it like it's a big deal. It's double size. It has a wraparound cover. <laughs> yep. um, 
I say that because well, we all know how long that lasts. Uh, Spectacular Spider-Man 229 was called The Greatest Responsibility Part 3. No More the Hero. That's kind of a spoiler, isn't it? Uh, written by Tom DeFalco. It has breakdowns by Sal Buscema. Interesting credit here. It says finishes by Sal Buscema and, and Bill Sienkiewicz. And color by John Kellys. Is that how you pronounce it? I never get this right. That sounds right. Uh, and I never want to call him John K because that's that's the that's the schmuck who's behind uh, Brendan Stimpy. Yeah, John Christopher Lucy. <laughs> yeah, you talk about st- things being late if he was involved. Oof. Um, so this story we begin with Spider-Man, the Scarlet Spider, breaking into a chop shop to pressure some thugs into giving them information on the whereabouts of the new Doctor Octopus. Because they, you know, they, when they left her on the roof in the previous issue, I guess when they got down to the ground, they never bothered to go back and check to see if she was still there or follow her or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately for them, the thugs are clueless. Scene changes to a modeling shoot with one Mary Jane Watson Parker styling in some pink maternity wear. A fashion executive approaches her to discuss extending her contract, but feeling some sort of uh, lightheadedness, she faints. Later, the spires head over to Peter's apartment. They're puzzled as to the whereabouts of Mary Jane, just as the phone rings, leading them to... A cut to the hospital, where they discover that MJ is in critical condition due to traces of radioactivity... Apparently, uh, that earlier story where the Beast told him it was A-OK for them to have kids, he was just full of, he was just full of it. He didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> See, wasn't that a crossover with the comic strip, too? Yes, it was. It was the Mutant Agenda. Yes, it was. And they had that, didn't they have that comic book where you could cut out the strip and paste it into the comic? Yep. Did, that, that wasn't the crossover. That was a one-off issue that Eric Larson did. It was related to the, to the news. No, the Mutant Agenda was, like, later. That was a separate thing. That was a miniseries. You're right, right. that was a separate thing. I don't know why I put those two... I guess could be... <laughs> I love how Zach agreed, though. Like, yeah, yes, that is true. <laughs> yeah, I agreed last time we talked about this, too. So go on. <laughs> Zach, it was a secret test of character, and you failed. Um, <laughs> okay, like, okay, so see where Trainer arrives, because... Uh, somebody where's, calls. Where's his, where's his X Men uniform? <laughs> she would have decided to leave it at home. <laughs> yes, I'm bringing it back. He's walking, he's walking amongst the streets, so he has to pretend that uh, that he's around. His secret identity as as a normal scientist. <laughs> his his scientist armor is underneath his clothes. Thrown <laughs> into like a storeroom or something. Uh, he arrives, having been summoned by Ben, as granted access to Mary Jane's charts by the doctor. <laughs> By the way, this doctor must have been waiting around in some poop earlier because his pants legs are brown from, like, the thighs downward for no apparent reason. It's the only thing of color that way in the scene. Oh, I remember we talked about this last time. It's his pants. His pants are brown. No, his pants are white. No, that's his lab coat. Are, are, you, oh, looking, are you looking at uh, the set? Like, did they color it differently in the trade? No. no, it's it's really weirdly drawn because it look I don't know. It literally looks like, like there's a line of mud around his knees. Yeah. yeah, but that's that's supposed to be the cutoff for his. I don't know. Somebody messed up. That's all I got to say. Okay. I sure hope someone got fired for that blunder. Neil <laughs> Kane, he screwed up this issue too. <laughs> Seward informs him that MJ is indeed in serious trouble. As if they couldn't tell by the fact she was in critical condition. They didn't need you to tell. <laughs> didn't I do the Seaward Trainer voice? Like, we did, did we do a dramatic reading of this book? I seem to. Yeah, I, I, dude, when, I, can't, when he, 
I can't uh, remember what I did two days ago, let alone two years ago when we recorded this. But he informs that MJ is in trouble, but conveniently, he happens to already have an antidote for this exact problem ready in his lab. Naturally, Dr. Octopus is listening to all of his science. Shortly thereafter, Messenger is instructed by Seaward to bring the antidote, but he gets bushwhacked by Octopus. This is like a panel for panel remake at this point, I swear. I was gonna say, at this point, this is starting damn it, man, you know exactly where everything is in my notes. At this point, this is all starting to sound familiar to you. It is not a coincidence, let me tell you. Back at the hospital appears angsting at what he's done to, to Mary Jane lately, including an explanation of all of that uh, infamous backhand that I'm sure Bertoni enjoyed a lot because it seems to change some facts along, along the way. Uh, in the hallway outside, Seward receives a phone call informing him that the messenger was intercepted. Ock proposes a trade of the antidote for her father, and he tells Peter... Oh, sorry, after he tells Peter, and Peter tells MJ, three men take off and head for the rendezvous point. But he tells MJ with her big lips in the panel where she reacts. Like, <laughs> whatever, whatever medication that they have her on, there's like her lips are having a really bad allergic reaction. <laughs> Those quack doctors... So, so they head for the rendezvous point, which is, of course, your, your, you know, your cliché peer in the darkness. Our heroes plan to take the antidote and bust up the bad guys, which is odd because they're heroes. You don't think they would just backstab people and go against what things are agreed to, but okay. So they rig Seaward with a spider tracer. Unfortunately for them, Ock was expecting them to interfere, so her goons locate the tracer on Seaward's boot and use a device to send feedback to the spiders, giving them quite a headache and allowing the bad guys to hustle Seaward into a van. Or did they? They use a trapdoor under the van, under the pier, to go to a, you know their hidden underwater fortress base or whatever. We don't know that yet. The spiders use their webs to create a... Uh, well, they make web flippers to follow them underwater. <laughs> uh, there's, no, there's no real way to explain that. They just make flippers somehow, like... Uh, Toy Biz has it now. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if there were some spider. Like, if they have a Spider-Man fisherman figure, they're gonna. They would have that. They do have a Spider-Man fisherman figure. So they reach the underwater master planner. I mean, uh, uh, Lady Octopus's base, and uh, subtle. Hmm. Anyway, they get into the base with a hatch and start beating up thugs. An absolutely hilarious splash page. Like, there's a two-page splash where they're punching these guys, and the faces that these guys are making and stuff is just... <laughs> so insinuate that they are dying. Yeah, it's a good thing that they have purple uniforms, though, you know, as opposed to the Master Planner's original uniforms. <laughs> Master Planner? What are you talking about? <laughs> I especially like the guy that Spider-Man is choking the life out of. He has, like, cartoony, like, bulging eyes, and, like, his tongue is hanging out. He sort of looks like <gasps> Judge Doom when he's revealed to be a tune. Cha-ching! That's the third row. Number three. Two, three down, two to go. We can make this, man. We can make it. Lady Ock, who continues to speak with a, a holographic interface that will become very important, I think, in a later story, has gotten Next what she month. needs. She, she's gotten what she needs. And I mean, information-wise, don't, don't think they're here. As Ben and Peter dust up the rest of her goons, with Ben having to stop, step in as Pete is taking it a little too far, they split up to look for Seaward and the antidote. There's a brief interlude where, uh, with Mary Jane where she takes her turn to, to do some angsting. And then we follow Spider-Man's perspective as he finds Lady Ock guarding the antidote. 
they battle, of course. And things are looking bad for Spidey when we cut to the Scarlet Spider's perspective. Ben finds Seaward, but the room is being guarded by the holographic interface and control of some mechanical arms. Hmm. We cut back to Spidey, who gets Oct to talk about her daddy issues long enough to cause her to lose her concentration. He swings her around by the tentacles and throws her through a wall, forcing her into the river and causing the base to begin to collapse. How would she survive that, by the way? Ben gets another tantalizing clue from the holographic interface, and I mean, they were really laying it on thick here. He saves Seaward. So we cut back to Spider-Man, who's now trapped under the weight of a collapsing base. A, a scene we have never seen in the Spider-Man comics. They're breaking some ground here. How's he going to get the antidote to Aunt Mary Jane? <laughs> a shocking and unexpected development. So, uh, yeah, there's some more angsting, and uh, Ben's helping him out, so they lift off the thing, and then he grabs the uh, the ISO 36 off of the... Uh, I mean, the antidote. And they bring her back to the hospital. Mary Jane is saved. Peter gives his costume to Ben. Ben doesn't want it. Peter's re- is, you know, relieved. He, he blah, 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 blah. The end. <laughs> you really crapped out the that's like that's like the most important part of the story. So so Pete, uh, the non-half-assed version of that is Pete decides that you know his life in Mary Jane and having a child and all that stuff is much more important. So he takes a he puts his costume inside of a like a a paper bag. <laughs> Bag. Yeah, he puts it inside of a grocery bag to be all discreet, and then Ben just totally blows it to hell by just taking it out of the bag in the middle of a hospital. Uh, Peter, pe- you're gonna give me your Spider-Man costume? Yeah. But it's not even a Spider-Man. It looks like a Halloween Spider-Man costume, because if you notice, when he pulls it out, it's the One Piece costume. Well, it's what? the cyberspace. <laughs> <laughs> That's your new answer for everything, isn't it, Josh? So, so the final page is Ben dressed as a what is he? He has an orange baseball cap, a pair of shorts, he's wearing a brown jacket. He's with a dressed jacket. as a rapist, <laughs> <laughs> and he's walking. And there's a big, uh, you know, sun. There's a lot of like walking down the hallway, but it looks like he's walking out of the sun or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's, like, it's all big and bright. You can see the colorful sun pop out from the background. All the tunes come out, and they start singing, Smile, darn ya, smile. Yeah. Man, it's fourth reference. We only need one more. Come on, guys. We'll hit it in, in our grading section. Okay. Um, we are. I'm going to have Donovan go first, because he's going to say I was, I was hoping you were going to do that. What? Because he's gone second the last two times. Okay, I thought you said because he's not insane. <laughs> well, that's that what I was talking about. How do you know that? Oh, <laughs> I, I have a knife between my mouth right now. Okay. Okay. Um, well, I, I, as I said, I think I said before that I, I like this issue the most, although this was definitely flawed. Um, I, I like the opening scene. I, li- I like the kind of Kirby-esque posing as Spider-Man, Scarlet Spider, making the corny joke. I, I do like it like that, but like... I'm trying to say like that much. Once this dawned on me that this was a uh, quote-unquote homage to the Master Planner storyline, I see what they were doing, but I don't... Once it dawned on you, like, last year for the first time ever. Yeah, like, in the middle of the original synopsis. And I was like, wait a second. And then you, like, smacked my head, like, stupid. But, um, I mean, 
I, I think I think Spider Man as a as a kind of a character, or at least in the comic books, there are creators who are way too eager to like you know call back to the old days that they when they weren't alive, when during the Stanley run, and whenever I see that like blatant references to that, I kind of roll my eyes just because it's trying to capture a, something that you can't capture again. But I think that like in this instance, it was actually because this is an important moment in Spider Man's life, so I do appreciate them trying to recapture it by basically aping. Uh, that classic, the best Stanley Steve Dicko story they've ever done. Now I think that like um, where they drop the ball is a scene where Peter is in the same position and he needs to save. Uh, he needs to get out of that wait for Aunt May and uh, not Aunt May, but like he needs to get out of that wait for um, Mary Jane. And at the last minute, Scarlet Spider saves him. That's a real like they. That's totally botching the scene because you're. I know they're doing it so that so that Ben can be the hero, but like you're basically. It's a passing of the torch moment, though. It's a, no, it's it's a it's a yeah. Without giving the other guy a proper goodbye, it's, it's stealing the torch. It's like, it's like you know, even if he was a clone, like you're basically saying that like this character who we have been following is not meant to be followed, you know. And I know that they're not explicitly saying that, but that's what the actions are are saying. So that, I mean, I think the artwork's good, but that just kind of that way of quote unquote passing the torch to Ben to me rubs me the wrong way because it's so. See, I, it feels so illegitimate. Uh, see, I disagree. I, I, I think it's a when the whole point of the story is to, is to transition from one character to another, and he's helping him out from under the rubble, and he takes the burden away from him. That well, I, th- I think the way they could have done that better is to show Peter under the thing and Ben struggling to lift it to save him. Because we're seeing Peter fail to save himself, and then Ben comes out of nowhere and saves him, as opposed to Ben uh, uh, overcoming the challenge to save Peter. Yeah, it's the same thing I said about the last issue. It's making Peter look like a chump so that Ben's the hero. You you can do it in a way that doesn't at, at not at, at Peter's expense, you know. Yeah, I, I that that's one thing I probably hate the most out of every Spider-Man story that sucks. Like like I do not like Peter Parker being ineffectual. Because there's ways to do it in which he's still the same character, and there's ways to do it that really make him look bad. Mm-hmm. And it's a trope of a lot of writers just to make him look like a pissant, and I don't like that at all. I'm really sensitive to that kind of thing. And I think that I don't think that they were trying to do that here. They really were trying to make Ben look good. I just think that like taking that story and really that that story is like one of my favorites. It's kind of a sore spot for me to like have Peter in the same situation, and then I have Ben basically rob the glory from him. I'm not mad at Ben. I'm mad at, like, the way they, they shot the scene. Of course you're not mad at Ben. Ben doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I, I really, if they just showed the scene of Ben struggling to lift it over and save Peter, as opposed to Peter trying and failing to lift it, it would have been better. It's the same scene, just basically shoot it different ways. And Ben does it with, like, little effort. He's like, oh, this thing, let me throw it off of you. And it's kind of condescending. It's like, you know, you did it. You managed to survive until I saved your ass. It's like... <laughs> And, uh, I mean, I mean, I get this issue. Not drowning. Doing. Yeah, I, mean, I get this issue she was doing, and I actually appreciate it for that. That's why I like it the best. But I think that is, it's sort of like, I wish I would have thought on it a little more. I mean, you guys are feel free to disagree. I'm interested. I'm interested to know what the fan reaction was to this kind of thing. If if there's a story behind like this sort of pass, this way they pass the torch, and if there was any immediate reaction to like whether the people caught on that it was a. Master Planner reference, they probably should have. And, like, what they felt about this sort of, like, uh, type of transition. I guess there's no answer for that, so never mind. Well, yeah, it's, it's always hard to... Because the only sources you have for that kind of stuff are the letters pages. And, of course, those, I was are, like, Glenn those are vetted. I was so. for sure that, 
I thought for sure that Greenberg would have uh, talked about this. He did. In terms of passing the torch, that's the, the only thing he talked about was uh, <laughs> the was that particular aspect of it, um, okay. how he passed the torch and everything. Meaning? That was it. He didn't really talk about the fan reaction at all. Okay. Hmm. Not disappointing. I mean, it, I think this issue succeeds more than it fails, but... I think that like what they're trying to do has a lot of harm as a, as, as all the same as uh it does a lot more harm than good in certain areas you know and like again it just it bitches Peter Parker out in such a way that like I I it just makes him I, I mean I don't think it makes him look like the horrible it's not like it's not, it's not like brand new day bad but like you're taking one of his best moments and just like inverting it to a way where it just takes it away from him and I don't like that so I mean I I'll, I'll, I'll give this a B but like it it would have been it would have been a, a, an easy A if it weren't for that. Hmm. Okay. Uh, or Tony, what's your thoughts? This loses so many points for me because of the art. I really don't like the art, and Mary Jane went from like being like glamorous to uh, almost looks anorexic, like in some of those hospital scenes. And then I don't know. Just every time she's drawn, she's different. I made a point about this. Um last time we covered this, but, like, that agent that, like, says, oh, I'll even spring for a full-time nanny. I, I don't... I've never heard of any companies doing that unless, like... <laughs> Tell the truth, Josh. When you read that, the first thing you thought of was Fran Drescher. No, I thought of me, because that's my job. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like how come there's no companies that, like, spring that, like, do that for my clients? I never thought of... I never think of Fran Drescher while reading a Spider-Man comic ever. <laughs> until now, and, and t- until now, th- thanks. <laughs> now I can't not see Franz Rusher. Yeah, yeah. Now I need I need to drop a piano on your head or something. You know, like uh, <laughs> bada bing. Well, like, like what's his face's brother from the backstory of Who Framed Roger Rabbit? <laughs> Why don't I kill you, brother? I can't. I can't do that voice. The Blade and Master Planner ripoff, which like. Down to like, especially the scene where um the guy gets the guy gets captured with the antidotes, and they call Doc- yeah no, and they call Doctor Connors or excuse me Doctor Trainer, and <laughs> it's I don't know this this is one of the first um modern well, when I say modern Spider Man comics like post crisis well well like when I started reading this was one of the first modern ones I ever read, so this has a special place in my heart. But uh, the art, the Blade and Master Planner ripoff, and they they could have done the um they could have done the, done the transition a lot better between them. Uh, Gerard, what did I give this back in January? I'm, I'm curious, because I'm really tempted to give it a D now. You gave it a C. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, everybody's getting worse. Except Don, ironically, who gave this one a, a, a B minus the first time. I will jump out of this building, this one-story building. My, my, my recordings are more pitch perfect, don't worry about it. Unless jump out of this one-story building, and I'll see Mickey Mouse and uh, Bugs Bunny parachuting on two ends of me. <laughs> Six. <laughs> for, a good, for a good time, call Alice in Wonderland. I was about to let this issue get away with it and like, pass it on to the next person, but um, I totally forgot, like, one of the most offensive things about this issue, the total retcon of, like, the of the Parker backhand of, of the mid-90s. The Parker <laughs> backhand of the mid-90s. He's like, this whole, like, 
I didn't see her. It was an accident. I didn't see her. It was an accident. I swear, I didn't see her. Was turning to the readers. Okay, okay. <laughs> I did not hit her. She is lying. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh hi, oh, Mark. Hi, Mark. <laughs> One of my friends is obsessed with that movie. <laughs> I I've never seen it, but, like, I I get the reference because I had a friend who was obsessed with it, and I met Tommy Wiseau at one of the San Diegos. I got a picture with him. Wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> like my movie, huh? What movie? The Room. See, like, Peter practically, like, turns to the readers and says, like, okay, stop writing in letters to Marvel. <laughs> because it didn't happen. It never happened. And Mary Jane acknowledges it, too. And, like, you know what? In my personal continuity, because I read the original issue, that's Peter trying to justify it and lying to himself and everyone ignoring it. Because it, I'm sorry. That art, that, no. So in your in your mind, like, like, like from here all the way down to ASM 700, like, Peter hit Mary Jane, then, like, in his head tries to, like, forget he ever did that? Or tries to justify it by, like, saying, oh, um, like, I, I didn't see her, right? Right, like, he's trying to convince himself, but yes, up until ASM 700, including 701 and Superior Spider-Man. <laughs> and from now on, we'll never we'll pretend all this never happened, and no one will mention the name Armin Tamzarian again. <laughs> Under penalty of torture. <laughs> I'm going to give this thing a D. <laughs> a lower letter grade than last time. <laughs> uh, the grading curve on this on this show was harsh. Um, Alright, so... Yeah, it's, obviously we beat it to death at this point. But yeah, this is a total rehash of the Master Planner story. Which, okay, the thing with homages of really great story... Well, homage is being nice. This is just a rip-off. Of, of, yeah, I was like, if, you, if you like it as an homage, if you hate it, it's a rip-off. Yeah, of, of really... It's the same thing you run into when you do remakes or reboots of really, really well-remembered popular movies, which is that it just serves to remind you of the more, the better, more popular version. So, like, reading this story, all you want to do is just, just, like, just put this crap down and go pick up, you know, Amazing Spider-Man 31 to 33 instead. <laughs> like, that's all it really ended up doing to me. Like, I'm just like, this is a, this is a lesser version of this. This is like maybe at best, like the fifth best version of the story that I've read. You know, it's like I don't know. <laughs> I'd rather watch that Batman Beyond episode. What was it called again? Uh, um, I, I don't know. There was lots of episodes of that show. You need to be more specific. <laughs> Well, there's an episode where they just literally just do a Marvel homage, or has like a fake Fantastic Four. Oh, heroes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and Terry's trapped underneath the. It's like literally just a redraw. It has the same. Yeah, they, pipe literally, and they literally like 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 shot for shot, like even the thing over his shoulder have like where he has to lift it over. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Who's he trying to save? With the antidote. Himself. Oh. <laughs> get his ass out of there before it blows up. I gotta get the antidote back to Bruce. He's been like an uncle to me ever since my father died. <laughs> oh, oh no! Yeah, yeah. His father does die. It's been forever since I've seen Batman. Or is his father Bruce Wayne? Dun, dun. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> Justice League Unlimited spoilers. Um, spoilers from like eight years ago. <laughs> Not unlike spoilers. Well, we keep saying no. we keep saying spoilers for this story, which is freaking like fifteen, 15 years ago. <laughs> um. Anyway, back, back to this. Uh, very uneven artwork, although. To be fair, that they're they're really starting to gel together a lot better than when they first teamed up, uh, Busema and Sinkevich. And the like, sad thing is, this is the last time he's on the book. 
Yeah, because yeah. who they bring in after? They bring in like John Stanisi, and he basically just steals like a like a fake Jimmy Sinkevich. Oh, Palmiotti does do a couple of issues. That's right. But Stanisi takes over for a longer time. In fact, he's still he's still inking the book when Luke Ross takes over, if I recall correctly. Yeah, but but anyway, yeah, they're just like fake. They're they're just like fake shemps for for Sinkevich. Like they're just like sort of inking in the same style anyway. Um, that's a nice one. <laughs> by, by the way, okay, a couple of inconsistencies of the first couple of issues that bugged me a lot. One is that Mary Jane's level of how pregnant she is seems to just vary from page to page and artist to artist. Like, it, it really bugged me when I got to this story. Because, yeah. like, in the, in the amazing issue, she is very pregnant. Like, you know... It, it looks like that thing's about to pop out any second. Then in, then in the, like Josh mentioned in that opening part of the the adjectiveless issue, Gil Kane draws her like, she doesn't look pregnant at all. Right. It, or, or maybe like a slight bump. And then in this one, she's like very pregnant again until she gets to the hospital. Then she's not, I don't know. It's really driving me nuts. Well, in, in order to operate on her, they had to send the baby to space. <laughs> and it, it wasn't wearing the special patented Spider-Man shirt. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't wearing this shirt. So, like, the the baby's safe in cyberspace until. <laughs> but there's a tro. But there's a Trojan virus, you know, and 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 that's what really killed it. Alice and Mongrain in Revelations. <laughs> well, if they had used Trojans in the first place, they wouldn't even had a baby. Um, the the thing that bugs me more than that is. Uh, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this issue, Octopus, Lady Oc has a helmet. And uh, it's a really odd-looking helmet, too. Like, I, I don't know how to describe it other than to say, like, it just... She looks uh, like she's going to attack Super Mario. <laughs> okay, that's a, that's a good way to put it. I, I was trying to think of a way to, to make it clean. She looks like Modoc in certain panels and scenes. <laughs> Yeah, she kind of does. Because <laughs> it's weird, because basically, you know, she has that sort of, uh, how do I put it? Like, there's sort of a crown design to her, to the headgear that she wore anyway. And this thing is just sort of like, it's like maybe someone didn't want to draw her hair. So he drew, like, that crown thing. He's like, I don't want to draw this hair. So he just, like, drew it like a like an oval just to, like, complete it. <laughs> So it's really bulky looking, and I don't even know what advantage she would have wearing that, because I don't think it's... Is it even mentioned in the story? I, I don't know. I guess, I guess that's her special indoor helmet that she uses when she's in her base. I assumed it was because she was, I don't know, because of a master planner underwater stuff, or... Maybe she, she was doing... Well, she did that. She simply says that she put that helmet on with the non-stick coatings. If he sprays her in the eyes... Oh, yeah, you know what? After what happened in the last issue, that makes sense. Okay. But her eyes are uncovered. It's okay. <laughs> not, it's, it's, like, it's got like a, like a clear see-through plexiglass. It's, no, it doesn't. <laughs> the goggles, they do nothing. Oh, wait, yeah, you're right. There's a page where it looks like it has like a weird... But it's only on that one panel. Or like, wait, oh wait, I see what happens. Okay, it like pops down, like a sliding thing that pops down. All right, go to page, um, what yeah, page? Yeah, yeah, it's right at no, no, but there's another page, page 26. She looks like Galactus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hunger. 
is Galactus getting hungry, and no Doctor Doom is near. Dude, did anybody? <laughs> is that really part of the lyrics? I don't remember that. Okay, it's, yeah, it is. Speaking of speaking of Galactus, did anybody watch the last episode of Earth's Mightiest Heroes? Of course, no, I watched the first no, episode didn't. of Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Yeah. I've seen like two episodes. No life. It is awesome. It is epically awesome. It should have been a longer episode. Though. It was only thirty minutes. It should have been an hour long epic. They brought in Galactus. I will check out the series tomorrow after I go to bed if we ever finish this episode. Yeah. <laughs> we will not. Yeah, you're right. I see, I see it now. It's on page uh, 29 here where like he shoots her well, <laughs> in a non-pornographic way. He blasts her in the face with his goop. <laughs> and then she mentioned, it's such a pity that I anticipated this maneuver and coated my face shield with a non-stick surface. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, but but it is an explanation, so that, that knocks down my complaint. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, there's a lot of action in this, I guess. I mean, they had twice as many pages or so to, to get it done. Uh, I'm looking at the dialogue again. <laughs> what? I said, oh, I'm looking at this dialogue again. Is that her goal? To conquer virtual reality the way that petty dictators try to dominate countries? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. You could conquer, like, you know what, like, Gerard, tomorrow I'm going to conquer the PlayStation 3 network. I'll launch it. Soon, out of cyberspace will be mine. <laughs> She's going to go in there, megabyte, you're waiting for us. <laughs> oh, no, Adrian. <laughs> what do we do? The network is now by. Check out Dexter Douglas, Nerd Computer Ace. <laughs> Something, 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 then got zapped in cyberspace. He turned it into the freaking um, But yeah, finally, they at least do get the job done. Like, Ben is Spider-Man at the end of the story. But the way that they do it, oh boy. Like like Don said, like I've said before, I mean, it makes Peter look like a total chump. And it's a really lame and, and happy-handed way to do it. It's like, try to imagine... If, like, you know, they've got your girlfriend or wife captured someplace, and then you bust into the warehouse to confront Judge Doom, but then you just end up getting caught, and Eddie Valiant has to save you. It's, like, the same exact thing. Yeah, I know. Wow, what, what a personification of that movie. I had to squeeze that last one in there. Like, where was Ben? Like, the thing is collapsing on Peter, and then all of a sudden Ben's just there. No, Ben was going to get seen where she was trying to. That's exactly what he was doing. Okay, but that means the time to get Seaward out. Go back, get P- like somehow not be separated by the tons of rubble that are there. Because that's a look how tall that rubble is in that page. Yeah, no, it's pretty tall in the original books too. Yeah, but in the original books, they have some asshole just appear out of nowhere and pull out. <laughs> he just pushed it off himself. Like on the original they, edit, like the original draft. Ben just appears next to him. He's like, what? What was? What was he? he was just like, like faking him out. He was just there the whole time, but he was just like jerking around. Like, ah, I'm gonna let him wait a little while first. 
I don't know. I, I didn't like this story at all in case you didn't get the idea. So I'm giving this an F. Wow, because I'm completely disagreeing with you. I'm going to give this story a solid B. <laughs> As opposed to the C you gave it the last time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, I can't. Yeah, my, my my thoughts have changed on this issue. Okay, so, <laughs> it's totally unfair of me to just throw that shit at you. Yes, it is very totally unfair. I, I gotta say, I'm giving this a solid B because, for some reason, I've enjoyed it more now that I read it over and over again with the trade. I just, uh, it always talked to, and y'all kind of complained about the whole passing of the torch and how it was kind of ham-fisted and everything like that. I guess it's the Ben Riley fan in me that enjoys that and likes that symmetry, but I can see where people were upset about it. Um, and it, and Donovan's point was 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 very very sound. Um, just my gut doesn't feel the same way. What point was that? About uh, it could have been done better. How it could have been done better, and I I agree with you. It could have been probably done better, but I just like it personally. Uh, the artwork was a lot more consistent. Um, there was touches and there was hints of Salbusema coming back through more so than Sienkiewicz. Um The artwork was still not, it's, it's not Salbusima's best, and, and, and we've talked about endlessly on this show about how Sienkiewicz and him were not a good fit. Um, so it's kind of one of those uh, catch-22s. There was there was flashes of, of, of good old Salbusima that I liked, but wasn't enough to bring the artwork up for me. I thought the story was it was meant to be a homage. It was meant to kind of hit you over the head. This is, you know, because what was the, what was the name of the, of the issue that uh, we've all no talked more about? Than hero? Well, no, the name of the issue was No More the Hero, but what was the name of the issue that uh, of um, ASM 33, which was called The Final Chapter? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is when you think about it, it's kind of a direct homage. This is this is Peter Parker's final chapter. In, in Wait, when you think about it, it's a direct homage. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there's no, there's no dots to connect. It's pretty much laid out there. <laughs> that's true. It is Tom DeFalco. He's, 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 he's that's like a, when you think about the refrigerator is cold. Like, no, when you walk into the refrigerator, the first thing you think is, "Wow, it's cold." <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. When I open the refrigerator, first thing I think is, "Where the hell's the beer?" That's very true, but like I say, it it, it kind of I don't know. It, it's a great, even though we but we all know where the story goes. You know, if I was reading this as it was coming out, it was kind of a nice send off to 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 the Peter Parker Ben dynamic Scarlet Spider Spider Man, and I like I like the last scene where he actually makes fun of the Scarlet Spider outfit. It's like ah, oh, you keep you keep the costume. I want to do something a, a tad more contemporary. And then Peter Parker goes, "This is the same guy that came up with the Scarlet Spider outfit." <laughs> so, um, it's kind of where that that bond and that that love, you know, that that brotherly love thing kind of starts coming in, and, and it's it's kind of a kind of a good, you know. I just like the way it ended, and and uh, we all know where. Going in, so this this may be the best issue we have for the next two months. <laughs> okay, um, that's a kind of a low bar, isn't it? 
That's true. That's very true, because the next two months' worth of issues are... <laughs> Although I'm halfway dipped just to, just to troll Bertoni to give uh, um, Scarlet Spider Island. I still don't know what happens in the issues in that rhythm, so... No, it's, yeah, I haven't wanted to spoil it for Dom, but, like, yeah, in that web issue with uh, the Gwen clone, like, you find out what happened to, like, Miles Warren's, like, wife and kids that never been mentioned before, but then they, like, they wreck on what really happened to them in uh, Scarlet Spider Unlimited 1, and I always found it hilarious, so I haven't, <laughs> we, we haven't told Don yet. Yeah, Don doesn't know. But, it's been a few years. But I, I, I make sure it's been a few years. An a. <laughs> like, like spoiling Arkham City for you. <laughs> for, like, a year, he's like, no, don't tell me what happens. I'm going to play the game next week for a year. Yeah, no. <laughs> Wait, you haven't played Arkham City? I'm not even beating Arkham Asylum. I'm like still in the beginning of that. Yeah, whatever. Those games aren't that great anyway. Yeah, I said it. Always, said the, it. always said the contrarian. Always the contrarian Gerard, Gerard is. <laughs> Alright, guys. Uh, so that wraps up the greatest responsibility. Again. <laughs> Sweet. And next time we're doing the uh, Scarlet... Ben is Peter is Spider-Man, right? Or are we catching up on... Uh, no, next episode, we are going to do um, Scarlet Spider, the new Scarlet Spider 2012 title, issues 6, 7, 8, and 9. And so with that, with those issues that we'll cover in the next episode, we will see you here on Spidey-Dude.com. On behalf of the entire staff and the members of this panel, and we'll uh, see you next time. Bye. Bye. Whatever closing music we're using this time. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm gonna go gay. I was just gonna say, it sounds like you're about to switch teams. Fulfill, fulfill Gerard's prophecy. Yeah, I was about to say Gerard's prophecy that I just randomly remembered. <laughs> well, it was not a prophecy. I was just like, I didn't know if you were gay or straight, so I covered my. Will the prophecy come true? <laughs> Damn, sweet. <laughs> you would. What am I doing in a Tyranodon nest? Alright, so... Uh, and now one of it, one of friends just sent me an email. What's going on? <sighs> hey, just, just ignore it. We're here to talk about Spider-Man. As for updates, we'll have Monday, Mayday Mondays, uh, which is a review series focusing on the Scarlet Spider, which has a ton of Clone Saga influences. Focusing on the Scarlet Spider? I, did I say Scarlet Spider? Spider. Yes. <laughs> I meant Spider Girl. <laughs> the Scarlet Spider Girl. Yeah, the, it's, your side, it's your side, Zach. Yeah, no, right? The uh, focusing on the Scarlet Spider. God! No. Focusing oh. on the Spider Girl. <laughs> dude, dude, cross out the words on the script. No, no, the, the, the words on the script say Spider Girl. Alright, I'm completely saying. And as for updates to the website, we'll have Mayday Mondays, a review series focusing 
on the Spider-Girl title, which has a ton of Bone Saga influence. You almost did it. I heard it. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was so uh, close. The superior Spider-Girl. <laughs> How timely. Uh, very, very timely. Okay. No, no, timely while we're recording this, not necessarily when it comes out. Right. Uh, we'll see, we'll see. Tony, what's your thoughts? He just did his thoughts. Okay. Yeah, that was it. I did that. <laughs> Alright, so we gotta wrap up with me. No, I have to get my thoughts on this one. Oh, dude, I'm so confused. I, I, I totally skipped around on my own. My own. Okay. Speaking of which, fun fact, this has nothing to do with the podcast, but when I went to go see Lincoln yesterday, Christopher Lloyd was sitting behind me. Which made it really weird because whoever he was talking to, whether it was his wife or his girlfriend, I'm like, Doc Brown is talking during the movie. Like, how do I tell him to lie? Like, no, I'm serious. Is that, is that normal? Yeah, fairly normal. But just fairly like, normal for for Christopher Lloyd to go to the movies with you? <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a row or two by. Anyway. 